Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hello, and welcome to Cool People Did Cool Stuff, your weekly reminder of what happens when bosses drag out a strike so long that it drives people out of their homes. That's what we're going to talk about today. Not for nothing. Uh, I learned this morning that uh, it was Bob Iger's fault that they revealed the, the, the murderer of Laura Palmer too soon on Twin Peaks. So if anyone was looking for an additional reason... <laughs> if, if you really want to get granular and petty that was a that was a fun one wow. that is reason enough yes i'm i'm willing to it's, i'm willing to take it to perceived slights i don't care whatever turns people against this man yeah uh that's jamie loftus over there rabble rousing jamie loftus <laughs> is my guest this week Hello. hi jamie how you doing I'm I'm great. I've been uh, thinking about uh, the Molly Maguire's quite a bit this this weekend over the weekend because yeah. I saw my my Irishest family last night, including my cousin who's Molly Maguire, um, Molly Maguire, mm-hmm. and I mentioned this, and she responded with, "Huh." So uh, I think that the whole family is going to to learn a lot from, from this. My family I wonder what she's going to think about her name after this. I know. It is canonically a coincidence because it's my grandma's maiden name. But uh, yeah. I, I think she'll think it's cool. that. Well, okay. actually, I don't know how the story ends. So maybe not. It, we'll get there. I'll I'll do like a Titanic situation and be like, just listen to, just watch VHS 1. No need to watch VHS too. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a little bit of the whole thing where sometimes I- Irish people in Ireland are more radical than Irish people in the US. Mm-hmm. But I still think that they're they're real interesting and cool. Uh, there's just a, there's more asterisks in this okay. ep- in this episode than the previous episode. I'm prepared. But also with us is Sophie Lichterman. Our producer. Sup. Sophie. Sophie. I've agreed to record this podcast at 9 a.m. on a Monday. Yeah. 
Usually we Braver make this like whole elaborate joke <laughs> where there's like only 15 minute break between the two episodes when we record. But this time there was actually a longer break between the episodes for us than for you. Isn't that wild? It's true. Our audio engineer is Ian. Hi, Ian. Hi, Ian. Hi, Ian. And our music was written for us by Unwoman. This is part two of a two-parter. You probably figured that out. It's about the Molly Maguires. You also probably figured that out either by looking at the title or by listening to us talk. But in part one, we learned about how when you try to enclose the commons in Ireland, a bunch of people put on dresses, questionable makeup, and murder you. And so now we're going to talk about what happens when some of those people move to the United States, where, spoiler alert, the working conditions are not good for people who have no money. Hold on. (laughs) Run that back. (laughs) (laughs) The land of opportunity was the land of opportunity to be exploited. Um, Right. I mean, some of these people are like... Well, what if that was the dream all along? Was that probably was the dream all along. To be yeah. wildly exploited. Yeah. Um, it's a kink. <laughs> um, uh, I guess that, I mean, almost starving in Appalachia is better than literally starving in Ireland. So we're going to talk about Appalachia. We're going to talk about Pennsylvania in particular. And we're going to talk about Pennsylvania primarily in the 1860s. But, you know, being us, we'll jump around a bunch. The U.S., it liked coal in the 1860s. It still does. Uh, see the aforementioned, we're all going to drown as the waters rise. And the U.S. needed lots of coal. Fortunately, it had lots of it. Uh, fortunately for the industrialization of the U.S. in the 19th century, not fortunately for us 150 years later. If they'd never found this stuff, I'm sure we would have found some other way to fuck everything up. So the best quality coal is called anthracite coal. Northeastern Pennsylvania has a ton of anthracite coal. It is the world's biggest deposit of anthracite coal. Okay. So a lot of Irish people fleeing starvation and colonization. They show up to be settlers in a different colonized country, the United States. They show up in Pennsylvania, which I hate typing, as I mentioned last time, because it's annoying to spell. Specifically, they showed up in uh, Schuylkill County, which is not an indigenous name. It's Dutch for hidden stream. Uh, This had been Lenape land until they were forced off in 1778. By the 1840s, the area was still very, very rural and or wild. This is like one of the kind of Appalachia being like still one of the least populated parts of the United States, even though it's like right in the middle of where Colin, you know, where the United States started. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like all around Appalachia, right? There's like a ton of people, right? The East Mid-Atlantic is a very densely populated area, but you go into the mountains and that stops being the case. Um, So where this coal is, is very rural. There were two coal fields in the area. There was a Northern one, which was geologically blessed with being near surface coal. That was easier to mine. Um, This was mined Mm -hmm. by large corporations. Then there's the Southern field where our Irish wound up. And this is smaller scale operations, uh, like more like mom and pop exploiter shops with only a couple hundred employees instead of like these, you know, thousands of employees. Oh, yeah. A small, I mean, I love a small scale exploitation. Yeah. Because then there's always the American dream. You can always dream of exploiting at a higher level. 
what if one day you get to put the boot on someone's neck? <laughs> right. We, we're going to need a pair of bigger boots. I know. Dream get big, some straps ancestors. on those boots. Mm-hmm. Are boot straps like the like the little loop on the back of the boot? Oh my god! I honestly think of those hideous flat Greek sandals, like cool girls wore in the early two thousands. When I think of I think of sandal <laughs> straps, I don't even think of boots. God, I, those shoes were evil. First I of like all, those I, shoes. that was that was out of my pay grade socially. I'm and trying to I think look up, literally. I'm yeah. trying to look up what a bootstrap is, but there's like some company called bootstrap and their horrible logo which is just a giant purple bee is the only thing coming yeah. up it, which boots have which boots have strap i i associate boots with uh, you know laces yeah yeah i mean it's like what my boots have a little a loop on the back that you can use to pull the boot on strap. that's the best i right. can think okay of. that's uh, i've interacted with that kind of boot strap i mean i, mean, I guess yeah. it's just yet annoying. another i don't want to see the giant purple bee tell me what it is it's yet another way uh, that the American dream, it's its fake down to the language. So they're Every like, answer yeah. on here is yeah. not what we want. Because you can't actually point. I, I heard somewhere, and this is not in my script, so I can't like attest to this. I heard somewhere that bootstrap, the whole like pick yourself up by the bootstraps, was actually like a leftist phrase making fun of the American dream. <laughs> it was like, oh, yeah, uh, just pick yourself up by the bootstraps. That's possible. And then everyone okay. just like okay. It almost sounds it, it almost sounds like uh, how much could a banana cost ten dollars? Yeah. You know they're like yeah, well yeah totally okay because rich people aren't wearing wearing them boots. Gals, they don't even yeah. know the Gals, parts of the I damn boots. An ex- I have the definition okay. in a photo. It is right. the, okay. it is the loop. It is the loop. Um, <sighs> like for loop. example, look at this boot. They got two of them on the side. What a useful oh. chart. Yeah. Two different arrows pointing at the loop. But if, yeah, the the first like seven things on, on Google were telling me something about a popular CSS framework. And then the next one was telling me that it means advancing oneself or accomplishing something without aid. So I, I, interpretation. Yeah. There should be a, instead of Kickstarter, there should be a site called Bootstrapper, and it's a site where you sign up, and they, you just don't get any money. Yeah. And you just can't, you actually just can't accomplish anything. Full support. <laughs> okay, so, the southern coal fields, where you have lots of bootstrappers, um, they have, they dug deeper with worse equipment and worse pay. People were getting the equivalent in, like, 2023 money of $50 a day for work that will 100% murder you. Like, pretty much everyone who doesn't die in the course of the violence that will be in this episode dies from black lung. Mm. The Irish who showed up there, they're some of the roughest and poorest of the Irish uh, immigrants, which is fucking saying something. And unlike most of the rest of the 1840s Irish immigrants into the United States, a lot of them don't speak English. Uh, You have a larger wave of Irish-speaking immigrants in the 1880s or so, But in the 1840s, as we talked about last time, a lot of folks who were coming from places where people still spoke Irish um, were able to hold on in Ireland a little bit more. So it's very unlikely that these people were like card-carrying Molly Maguires when they show up. It's like they weren't like, let's go to America and start a chapter of Molly Maguires. Probably they weren't even like, oh, God, we have to leave. We're starving. And we're Molly Maguire's. So let's go do that. Instead, Molly Maguire-ism mm-hmm. was as much a 
sort of spirit of resistance and a tactic as much as it was an actual secret society. It was also what you called every Irish person you don't like. So is that another, I mean, I know we were talking about that in the last episode as well, where because the history, like the, because Molly Maguire could be used as a pejorative, it could be used to reference an organized uh, Mm -hmm. group, or it could be used just to um, like explain that kind of just a shorthand for a resistance mentality. Does that kind of muddle up the history of like who is actually associated with what and how, how things sort of shake out? Oh, yeah. There's hundreds of years. There's like 150 years of historians arguing about whether the Molly Maguires are real. Oh, great. (laughs) Like, it is possible that is entirely just what they were called by their enemies. It is far more likely that they existed. And a lot of the, they're not real. Like, people compare it to being like, when people are like, the mafia isn't real. You're like, Mm -hmm. yeah, they don't admit that they exist, but they exist, you know? Okay. But it's hard to piece out uh, what is what. There was, however, a public society. It was semi-secret society, a fraternal organization. The first organization that the Irish form in the New World is called the Ancient Order of the Hiberians. This is not actually an ancient order, but okay. the cool thing to call your group. Like, yeah. How, how ancient are we talking? A couple, couple years ago? <laughs> it was, uh, let's see, I want to say 1836. Nice. But they formed as the Ancient Order. They've been called this since... Actually, no, you're exactly right. They took the name Ancient Order in 1838 when they've been around for two years. That rocks. I think that uh, fans of like K-pop groups should start doing that. Yeah. Yeah. I, the, just start calling themselves an Ancient Order at random. Where's the harm? It sounds yeah. fucking cool. If your group isn't a league, a lodge, or an Ancient Order, mm-hmm. what are you doing? Truly. That's why we're pleased to announce Cool Zone, the Ancient Order of Cool Zone. <laughs> the Ancient Order of Cool Zone Media. Cool I'm Lodge. Down. Yeah. Cool. cool. We should just have a place called Cool Lodge. Yeah. I'm I down. Agree. Yeah. All right. Good. Excellent. So, all, Sophie's approved it. These are all great ideas. Right. And as the head of the Ancient Order of Cool Zone. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just Ooh. let me just grab my giant staff that I walk with. <laughs> yeah, you get you get a sword. I think so, out of yeah. this. definitely just, like one of those like Gandalf sword slash staff situations. Yeah, with yeah, the magical power. Sword in one hand, staff in the other. Yeah, you're wearing a very complicated hat right now. Is how I would describe it. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. With the complicated hat has studio headphones built into it. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's a podcasting order. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah, there's there's a mic at the top of the staff too. It's actually a very functional, unlike yeah. a lot of, you know, yeah, yeah. it's I pretty mean, functional. It's very capable. <laughs> yeah. Women's fashion is historically not functional. And I think no. that, that you're really you're really changing the narrative. <laughs> thank you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this particular fraternal organization, they're still around and they suck now. Sick. <laughs> they they tried to ban uh, gay Irish American groups from the St. Patrick's Day St. Patrick's Day Parade in New York City. They've probably sucked for a really long time. I don't know if they sucked back in the 1830s when we first started talking about them, but going back to 1900, they were the right wing side of Irish republicanism. The Irish Republican Brotherhood, which is the precursor to the IRA, actually always hated them for being right-wing nationalists. 
And the ancient order showed their true colors in the Irish Civil War when they backed the treaty with England and the division of Ireland. Mm. And then in the Spanish Civil War, where they went and fought for Franco, the fascist. Oof. I think that the ancient order of Hiberians is honestly like what annoying right-wingish Americans, uh, you know, how like right-wing Irish Americans think that the IRA is like right-wing because it has the word Republican in it. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> this Americans is, are not all, uh, Americans also not immune to this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you want, if, if you're listening to this and you're a right-wing Irish person, don't, or Irish American, the IRA is not your guys, but the ancient order of the Hiberians is. <laughs> so, they might have been all right for the first few decades. I'm not sure. They formed in 1836 in New York City and Schuylkill County, and they took the name in 1838. And they basically existed at first to protect Catholic churches and Catholic folks were facing a lot of, like, anti-Papist, anti-Catholic sentiment, right? Um, mm-hmm. And so, they, they, they formed to protect those institutions. Um, in most places, it was a very peaceful, sort of boring place. In the coal fields, mm-hmm. they had really significant overlap with the Molly Maguires. Okay. And, and the miners, especially the Irish miners, who actually, and we'll get into this, they weren't miners, they were mine laborers. Okay, and then what was the distinction there? Oh, I love that you actually have a functional memory. This is why it's better if I record the two things in a row. We did talk about this last time. <laughs> I think it had to do with being outside of the mines, but still working for the mines. Is that correct? No, that no, that's no? what kids had to do. Oh, okay. Uh, Sorry, I'm thinking of the miners again. Okay. Yeah. Really? Who's on? First yeah. So you have three line. groups. Okay. You have the miners with an E, the mine laborers, and then the miners with an O. Oh my God. The the miners with an E, they go in and they're the skilled labor and they go in and like pick where to mine, right? Mm-hmm. And then they like sometimes do the actual sort of mining, but then they just like leave the coal on the ground as best as I can tell. It'll be like a little different in different mines because there's a lot of different physical methods of mining. And the mine laborers are also hanging out down there and then they have to um, gather the coal and put it in the carts and carry it out and all this shit. Okay. And... They have the most dangerous jobs in the mine. Okay. So they live off of like $50 a day and modern money. Extended households lived under one roof, usually a married couple, their kids, some relatives, and some boarders, right? Mm. Um, If not an entire second family. Many households were run by widows because a lot of men kept dying in industrial accidents. Um, kids, of course, worked, both boys and girls. Uh, girls didn't work in the mines, but as domestics and doing sewing or whatever. Basically anything to bring in money because y'all are fucking starving. In a so I'm, I feel like I'm, this mm-hmm. is, I know the answer to this question already, but mm-hmm. how, do you know how young they were starting? And I'm assuming there's like no form of like any organized education happening at this time or, or was there? I'm under the impression that there's not a formalized education at this time. Um, okay. But I actually don't know the answer to that. I know a lot of the kids were starting at like seven, but overall it was more like preteens. Gotcha. Okay. And so at first the mining in the area was like surface shafts and you would just go down to hit the water level and then you stop, right? Because mm-hmm. it's the fucking middle of the 19th century. And you don't got a way to get water out of a hole. By the 1870s, they moved more to tunnel mining, and they also started working below the water level by pumping water out. Mm -hmm. 
They also use something called room and pillar mining, which is where you mine a bunch of coal, but leave some pillars made out of coal in the like room of coal, right? Um, huh, so you can okay. hold up the hold up the roof. But then someone has to go in and remove the pillars because that's coal too. You can't just leave that in the ground. Mm-hmm. And then the room collapses. This is dangerous. Yeah. And there are all kinds of other dangers. They had funny names for all the different smells of gases that would kill them. Ooh, hit me. The stink damp, the fire damp, the black damp, and the white damp. Mm, These should be poopery variants. (laughs) Wow. Uh, And so you have... mm -hmm, Go ahead. And those are all different, like, shorthands for a distinct Yeah, I I forgot to write the, like, it's like... Um, not carbon monoxide because that doesn't smell, but it's like carbon dioxide or yeah. I didn't write them down. There's a lot of different things that will kill you, but you know what? True, isn't trying to kill you until it gets all of your money. Um, could it could it by any chance be the amazing products and services that are sponsoring this fine program? That's right, and we recommend Wowie. spending almost all of your money on these products and services, but holding on to a little bit. So there's still a reason that capitalism wants you alive. (laughs) Here's some ads. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal. So why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Free samples. Free shipping. And our 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Okay, we're back. And so I was saying there's the difference between the miners, the skilled work. um, The skilled miners, they had apprenticeships. They actually had some independence in the earlier part of the 19th century. By the end of the 19th century, they don't um, once the big companies come in. And then you have mine laborers who are usually paid by the miners, and they get paid about a third of what a miner did. Wow. The wealth Which couldn't the, have been much as it is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. And the Welsh and the English got to be miners, and the Irish got to be laborers to an overwhelming degree. Mm. There was very consistent discrimination against the Irish uh, in terms of employment opportunities and housing opportunities and all kinds of things. There was specifically... Mm-hmm. In this time and place, an ethnic hierarchy that went American, British, Welsh, German, Irish. Jesus. Okay. Yeah. People get really wanting to, before they figured out, like, I mean, okay, they already had racism, right? Um, right. But, you know, before they, yeah, people really want to find reasons to hate other people over weird ethnic bullshit. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's like, and, and the fact that Irish, I mean, the Irish are at the bottom of that totem pole and just leaving other people out entirely don't even make the totem pole. Right. Well, and it's like, and actually that's going to come up. This particular area didn't have any, the other way lower than any white worker. And people always say that Irish weren't white. And I don't remember if I talked about this last time, but it's like, they, they were white. They were just ethnically, they faced ethnic oppression, um, but they were far above uh, Chinese and black workers. Um, which there largely weren't any in this time and place, at least according to everything I read. They okay. they would have been higher than certainly black workers and Chinese workers. Um, yeah. Okay. Only about 11% of Schuylkill County was Irish. Uh, they were slightly less than half the foreign-born population there. But in the mining towns, they had a clear majority. Mm-hmm. The other big group was the Welsh. And the two groups fought a lot. They had kind of a gang warfare going on that was um, ethnic uh, because the Welsh, who were seen basically as British, were given the choice jobs. And so facing all this different oppression, being mistreated, they formed themselves some Molly Maguires. Once again, they left basically no evidence of their own. And... For decades in the area, there's two competing ideas about how to handle exploitation, right? There's the British way, which is trade unionism. Uh, This was developed during the Industrial Revolution in Britain. Uh, I think it comes from Chartism, but I didn't, like, fall far enough down that rabbit hole to, like, speak more about Chartism. Okay. And, And this is using strikes. And overall, it is an attempt at a nonviolent approach. Uh, Obviously, strikes, particularly in the 19th century, did end up very violent, but the, like, the larger picture, like, strategy of trade unionism was about mm-hmm. strikes and nonviolence. Okay. Then there's... Go ahead. Oh, I just was uh, curious of how much uh, Molly Maguireism in uh, Irish people who immigrated to the U.S., how much it resembled um, what we were seeing or what we were talking about of what was happening in Ireland. Is it more of a continuity of thought and resistance or Mm -hmm. or are there like visual or like organizing hallmarks to, to the Molly Maguire's? We'll talk about it a bit more, but um, overall in the U S the Molly Maguire's kept, (laughs) well, they kept the bad makeup. And they didn't oh, keep the cross was, dressing. I was like, did they? Keep, did they keep? Yeah. So they kept the makeup. They did. They dropped the the dresses. The cross dress. Well, that's honestly disappointing. I would prefer exactly the reverse. Yeah. <sighs> what are you gonna do? All right. <laughs> yeah. So you've got this English method of dealing with exploitation that is like polite. Uh, then there's the Irish way, which is direct and violent action against the people who exploit you. I'm not going to make an argument about which one worked better because neither one worked in this story, frankly. This is okay. not a story with a happy ending. And, Yay. But I will say how much I love the industrial workers of the world this started 30 years later. This is not a story with a happy ending? No, see, that's Margaret? the thing about cool people that did cool stuff. It's a happy middle. Thanks. The, on 9 a.m. on Monday, you tell me this. <laughs> The real treasure was the violence we enacted all along. Wow. It really was about the violent and exploitative journey, wasn't it? I feel cheated, but okay. Much like the Irish were being cheated in Schuylkill (laughs) County. Fair enough, fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) So, 
eventually unionism and direct action of other sorts actually start kind of becoming a little bit better friends at different points. 1842, the U.S. is five years into a depression. Miners start getting paid in goods instead of money. This wasn't company store times because it's the small operators. This is like before mining gets really bad, right? Mm. But it's still really bad. It's amazing that it could get worse from where it was. So July 7th, In uh, 1842, some workers protested and they marched from a small town to the county seat of Pottsville. And they're armed with clubs. They're shutting down the mines as they pass. Um, This is not, this is all ethnicities. Soon, 1,500 folks are marching and they try to form a union. The operators refuse to accept it and the strike fails. Um, In 1849, they successfully form a union. It's called the Bates Union. It's run by a guy named Bates. Bates. The main argument that they have is that they want to get paid in cash for the work they do instead of like promises of goods, right? Mm-hmm. This union tried hard to push the idea that workers and bosses had the same interests, such as keeping the cost of coal high. Um, and this was like a thing during a lot of this trade unionism is basically trade unionism didn't start off trying to be like, we hate you bosses. It tried to be like, hey, what if we work together? You know? Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, the guy Bates, it was named after. Probably he took all the union money and ran off. No. Okay. Well, see, that's it's a red flag to name the union after yourself. Uh-huh. It almost is like he unionized with himself. Yeah, totally. It's yeah. like everyone okay. give me money. I'll put it where it needs to go. That's a good yeah, no one should be naming a union after themselves <laughs> and not the collective. That is a that's a major red flag. All right. Well, not to not not to victim blame, but yeah, you know, yeah. maybe maybe there was chat of yeah. why did we name it after a guy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They don't do that again, at least. Uh okay. in 1858, they do the union thing again. In 1858, the miners went on strike for higher wages. And during this time, you get some coffin notices posted around uh, basically with drawings of pistols and coffins that are like, Hey, you'd better not scab only you've ever heard the word black leg for a scab. No, I hadn't either. Black leg is an old timey word for it's distinct from a scab, a scab, at least in 19th century is a hired worker from somewhere else who breaks a strike. Right. A black leg is someone who works there already who doesn't join the strike. Okay. And so most of their stuff, they're using the terminology black leg, not scab. Okay. And interesting. Okay. That's, I, I've, yeah. I've been hearing, I mean, just for, for no reason at all, like, I've <laughs> been looking into, you know, like granular terms because it's, I think that there's maybe people <laughs> that are getting extremely confused by how many yeah. different terms there are for, uh, for, I think, what is now colloquially just, just called but scabbing. imagine I said it right. Yeah, yeah. just called scabbing. But now yeah. you're like, oh no, there's this there's this whole fun vernacular that we get to use <laughs> yeah. now. Totally. Yeah. Okay, so they set up, they start go on strike, they're spreading out the coffin notices, which is clearly there's some like Molly Maguireism within the union, right? Mm-hmm. Um so the sheriff shows up with two companies of infantry, one company of cavalry, and one company of artillery to put down the strike. Okay. Um, It works. The U.S. sure hates organized labor. No one was killed, but three men were sentenced to 60 days in prison for organizing the strike. Mm -hmm. And the coffin notices were signed, the children of Molly Maguire. 
And so for the first time in the U.S., is that so lit? I just I love how dramatic that is. It, it's I just like bless, bless, bless the yeah. Irish for just being just being extreme drama queens. I I love it. Yeah. The ancient order, the children of Molly Maguire. It's just all so damn good. Yeah. I love our people. <laughs> they're, <Yeah. laughs> they're great. I know. <laughs> and so the the first probable this is the first time the Maguire uh, Maguireism shows up in the U.S. Um, in eight, is eighteen fifty eight. Uh, the first probable killing by the Maguires was probably retributive. It's a Welshman shot and killed an Irishman and then was found not guilty. So then that Welshman was killed by a pit with a pickaxe by a man who had, quote, blackened his face with powder. Okay. Kind of sounds like an open and shut case, but. Yeah. An Irishman, probably the guilty party, was hanged for this. Um, okay. And most of Maguire, Maguireism was not personal vendettas. It was class and labor focused. And the rest of their killings were class and labor focused. Uh, but it wasn't their main method. Maguireism wasn't even the main method of these Irish immigrants. Um, strikes and militant labor unionism was the start. Mm-hmm. Until that became impossible because, because of the Civil War. Aha. The, I was like, Okay. Okay. Tell me about this civil war. I was taught about Mm -hmm. it all wrong at school. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. God. Today's heroes are not civil war heroes. (laughs) Uh, Really kind of sketchy on race overall with their choice in their makeup. What show am I on today? It. I know, I know. Is it just 9 a.m. on a Monday, or are you fucking with me, Magpie? <laughs> it's not. Or is it both? <laughs> it's not as bad. I'll, I'll leave it to you all, though. Okay. So. I don't know. You wrote a sentence that says, really kind of sketchy on race overall. What, what with, with their, their choice, choice in makeup, makeup and their militant anti-draft <laughs> the, protests. The sentence after the Civil War. <laughs> Okay, wait. Uh, yeah, tell me okay. more. <laughs> Expand yeah. on that, please. So, when the Irish in the U.S. Uh, overall, especially here in Schuylkill County, when they would vote, they would vote Democrat. Nineteenth-century politics in the U.S. are a fucking mess. Uh, the The Democrats are less anti-immigrant and less anti-Catholic than the Republicans. They're also the pro-slavery party and the anti-war party, right? Uh-huh anti-the Union war effort against the Confederacy. But until the Republican Party came around in 1854, all parties were the pro-slavery party. Uh, and the main opponent to the Democrats before them was the Whigs, who briefly spun out into the Know-Nothing Party, who were Protestant zealots who hated Catholics and drinking and immigrants. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talk about some of their like militant anti-German immigrant actions that they took in Chicago on I think the very first episode of Cool people do cool stuff. The know-nothings. They're not great. Mm. So the Irish have been Democrats, right? That is their tradition because the other side fucking hates them. But they're also Democrats because Democrats are kind of the working class party because the working class are sometimes real fucking dense. And they bought into the line, if you free the slaves, they'll take your jobs. I have no quotes from any Molly Maguires one way or the other about any of this, but they did vote Democrat, and that is the overall picture of immigrant labor being racist in the U.S. Okay. So, the war starts. 
And two big things come as a result of this. First, all labor actions are basically accused of being pro-Confederate. It is now treason to interrupt the flow of coal to the federal government. Second, there's a draft. Mm. I would argue that drafting people is immoral, but um, in this case, the draft was specifically targeting to crush both the labor movement and McGuireism in Schuylkill County. Oh, so it's like turbo immoral. Yeah. They're like, yeah. wait a second. Why is everyone who's being drafted an Irish immigrant who specifically was fighting for the union? Wow. Yeah. Wait, you're going to want to draft everyone who's ever advocated for themselves in their entire life. That's putting immorality on a skateboard and giving it a hat. <laughs> yeah. All this other shit. Okay. Okay. Yep. So the labor movement is. Okay, this is so, ugh, I, I'm it's thinking so about meatpacking again of just like being impacted by, you know, I guess functionally executive orders that it's like we will yeah. under no circumstances uh, shut down this industry where you are constantly put in peril and are just trying to unionize and yeah. we will, you know, and, and it's unpatriotic of you to, uh, to not want to, to play ball exactly as mandated. Yeah. Awesome. So, people start resisting the draft. Mm -hmm. In 1862, a mine foreman docks the Irish workers' pay uh, and then yelled at some Irish workers for spitting on the American flag, which they probably weren't doing for a cool reason. The, okay. So, the, the Irish workers killed the guy the, who had just docked their pay and yelled at them. Also in 1862, miners go on strike. So, the sheriff brings the militia and a battalion of 200 men to keep order and keep people working. Mm-hmm. When the draft comes, censuses go around to determine who to draft. And this, these were met with resistance from women and kids. Uh, the grown men had to hide, right? Mm -hmm. And so a bunch of women went out and threw hot water, sticks, and stones. And Yeehaw. Okay, cool. Yeah. I'm back. The, yeah. The person who oversaw the draft was this guy named Bannon, who specifically hated the Irish, Catholics, and the Molly Maguires. Um, Something very, uh, name one good Bannon, you know? <laughs> um, when, the, when the list of conscripts gets announced anyway, um, on mm -hmm. October 16th, 1862, it included a greatly disproportionate number of Irish workers, especially those suspected of, anyone suspected of being a Molly Maguire uh, was drafted. So, a thousand again, armed people like, blockade. Go ahead. Sorry, I get, but it's it's because the definition of like quote unquote being a Molly Maguire is so viscous right. and vague. It almost yeah, it's like almost like a McCarthyism kind of thing where they're like, we totally. don't like you. Okay. No, it's absolutely a McCarthyism thing. Um, yeah. And it's kind of like with McCarthyism, everyone started being like, I'm not a communist. What the fuck are you talking about? But some people were like, I am a communist. Fuck you. Yeah. And and that's kind of how Molly Maguireism is. Is it's like, you know, I'm not a Molly Maguire and some people are like, "Well, I am. Fuck you." Yeah. And you it's know? like, well, no matter what, everyone's getting mistreated and like, yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, when these people are drafted, a thousand armed people blockaded the train um that was leading away the draftees. I believe this led to them getting the draftees out of the the train. Mm -hmm. More troops came in and put that down. Uh, but in the end, the miners actually this first draft, the miners win. Lincoln himself was like, oh shit, if we station more troops in Schuylkill County and draft more people there, we're going to have a full-on insurrection. So mm -hmm. 
they forged affidavits saying that the volunteers had filled the necessary spots. So they still got to be like, oh yeah, no, we, we got everyone we need from Schuylkill County. It's cool. Um, <laughs> and so they drove off the draft. Okay. Uh, most of the Molly Maguire attention during this wasn't about the draft. It was about, it stayed class focused. Um, and they had no other tool left besides direct action because labor, you can't do a labor union during this, right? Right. So a couple months later, 200 armed Maguires raided a mine and beat their bosses and then the guys who'd been mistreating them at the, at the mine. Then they took over the mine and shut it down. Uh, mm -hmm. Crowds attacked and beat several other mine operators in the coming months. Basically anyone who was like, mistreating them. In 1863, the draft expands and it becomes federally controlled this time. Uh, they suspend habeas corpus, due, due process of law, for anyone suspected of draft resistance. And now, even the Republicans in the Union are mad about the draft, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. um, because it's clearly immoral. Yeah. Which is so hard in this like larger context is like overall, I'm like very fucking happy that the Union beat the Confederacy, right? Like, of course. Um, but uh, this new draft law, it lets rich people off the hook very, even more directly. Um, you could pay $300, okay. which is more than a year's worth of work for a minor. Right. Or you can, uh, go ahead. So it's just, so it's, it's shifting to just, I mean, it was directly targeting the poor anyways, but this just seals it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, it's formalized now. Um Yeah. And so for the North as well as the South, like um, in one of the first episodes we did on the show, the Civil Civil War War, the Civil War within the Civil War and the Confederacy, we talk about how um, Confederates... Just got a nosebleed from listening to you say that. <laughs> <laughs> um, we talked about how the Confederates um, were drafting everyone and how this led to a civil war within the Confederacy and how yeah. Confederate soldiers viewed it as a, um, a rich man's fight and a poor man's uh, sorry, a, a rich man's war and a poor man's fight. Mm -hmm. And this is true for the union too. And this doesn't surprise me, but this is the first time I've read about it personally, you know? Yeah, yeah. Also, during this whole thing, you're not supposed to draft anyone who's not American, right? Because that's the whole thing. <laughs> and so you're, um, you're only supposed to draft American citizens or people who have stated their intention to become American citizens. Like, foreigners who are working on becoming American citizens. Mm -hmm. This was completely ignored. And, you know, poor migrants were drafted left and right. Well, yeah, it's, it's, you can be an American when it's convenient to yeah. be an American. And when it's not, then fuck you, you're not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which has no comparison to anything that happens now. No, <laughs> everything's fixed. Yeah. Some people try to like read this kind of story to be like, oh, the, the spirit of the Irish or something, right? And I'm like, this is a story. I mean, yes, it's about some Irish people, but it's a story about immigration into the US, right? And so like the modern version of this, if you're looking for modern people who are fighting in similar ways, it's not the fucking Irish anymore. Right. It's the people who buy stuff from our sponsors. Eh? Ooh. Eh? No, that one that one actually felt immoral. Uh, <laughs> it, so immoral that it that it went back to being kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah. And totally. I'm once again wondering what podcast I am on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I have I had a stress dream last night about starting researching someone who someone told me was cool and I committed to doing an episode about it and then about halfway through I found out how incredibly uncool the man was and then I was like I'm stuck doing the episode. What did we say? What did we say? What did we say though, Magpie, after we found out about that guy that was a bad husband? We read the end first. (laughs) Yeah. When it comes to this. (laughs) Yeah. So don't worry, you're safe. Just like you're safe from missing out on these deals. Deals, deals, deals. Wow, wow, wow. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. And we're back. So, in Schuylkill County, someone stole all the draft records, which is cool. An officer leading a search for draft dodgers found himself murdered. A lot of this was probably German immigrants, not Maguire's, because uh, the German immigrants were just as mad about it, because they had all the same reasons to be mad about it. Right. Census takers were driven off by gunfire, um, and this started becoming like really organized resistance. There were meetings held twice a week in all the townships about how all the immigrants could resist the draft. Any mine owner who who turned over their list of employees would have their equipment trashed by their workers. And 3,000 resistors started drilling militarily, uh, and they're led by returning soldiers. So This rocks. Yeah. So, like, people who've either been in for nine months or three years at this point, um, they show back up, and they're like, all right, we're going to train you all to fight. So they can fight against the people trying to draft you. They managed to get light artillery. Uh, this was probably smuggled down from Canada. And okay. they were called Maguires and they were called Buckshots. That was just the other word for them at this point. So sorry, is this still kind of exclusively Irish organizing or is it becoming more of like a multicultural group? I am not entirely certain. I believe that the 3,000 people drilling were, were Irish. Okay. But I know that a lot of the other direct action was happening more broadly. And so I actually don't have any particular reason to believe one way or the other about. There's a lot of multi-ethnic organizing. And there's a lot of intra-ethnic fighting happening okay. during all of this time. And it's kind of hard to piece some of it out. I'm into but it. But federal, federal troops show up 
and enlist them at gunpoint. Um, it never comes to a large battle. And the whole time, the federal troops are being like, oh, it's a Confederate conspiracy to invade the North. But it absolutely was no such thing. They were not loyal to Confederacy. No evidence of them ever having anything to do with the Confederacy ever came out. No actions were ever taken against the Union by the McGuire's. It was all resistance to being drafted. Troops stayed in the area for the rest of the war. A bunch of mine operators became officers in the military. Uh, the officer in the area was given permission to draft anyone he wanted and arrest anyone who resisted the draft. So this means that he can just throw anyone he wants in jail with no habeas corpus. And he uses it immediately to fight the union movement. Um, anyone he wants arrested is arrested. This doesn't make people like the war effort anymore. It's also Go probably figure. why... I know, I know. It's also probably God. why the union movement tends towards Maguireism instead of labor organizing at this point, because open actions will get you drafted or arrested. Right. One mine owner was mistreating everyone, so workers sat down and considered, considered a strike. He told them that it was during war, a strike was treason, and they would be treated as treasonous. So... A bunch of people showed up on Guy Fawkes night, November 5th, 1863, which is generally an anti-Catholic celebration. So it's probably intentional that these Catholics show up on that day. Um, they break into his sure. house, they kill him, and they leave his body in the crossroads. Oop. One of the Maguires was killed during this action in, in crossfire. Um, okay. Two generals wound up stationed in the area and even more troops come in. The Catholic Church threatens to excommunicate anyone belonging to a secret society. The Catholic Church is like, fuck the Maguires, right? Yeah, sure. But it's also, I mean, whatever. Yeah. One of the Catholic Church is one to talk. I know. I know. Well, that's the thing is they're Fuck's like, sake. be in our secret no society. Secret society. society. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we've got more infrastructure. We could do, and we're doing some bad shit. Get yeah. over here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so the Catholic Church threatens to excommunicate anyone belonging to a secret society. Um, okay. But, and then the anti-Maguire newspapers, they're like, oh, most people don't support it. It's just a few bad agitators. There's just a few evil Maguires in there making all the good Irish people act bad. This is not true. It is a broad movement right. made from general discontentment. Uh, right. And... And in the end, like to take a larger picture of the Irish in the Union um, during the war, uh, three times as many Irish fought for the Union as the, for the Confederacy, and this did include a ton of volunteers. There was the 69th Irish Brigade, whose green flag had the slogan, in Irish, we will never run from the clashing of the blades. And those who volunteered in the Union, they also, a lot of them had, I mean, some of it was probably like, we like our new country, but like overall, I think it was... Um, well, they wanted to learn how to fight and shoot guns so they could go back to Ireland and kick the, the English out of their country. <laughs> Seems reasonable. Yeah. Like, might as well do a, like, perfectly ethical war over here so that you can go back and do another perfectly yeah. ethical war. Uh, yeah, it's just kind of like a warm-up situation. I get it. Yeah. You don't want to go... It's, it's Mario rules. You don't just go for the big boss, you know? Yeah, you, yeah. It's incremental. Yeah. After the war, things cooled off. In Schuylkill County, sort of. Mm -hmm. The McGuire's killed several more mine superintendents. They settled some old scores. And the railroad formed a private police force. Uh, basically, the railroad at this point starts buying up all the mine operators in the southern coal field. 
Uh, so Reading Railroad is now the big new bad, big new bad in the area. Reading Railroad. Wow. Yeah. Um, and so. So close to LeVar Burton territory. <laughs> <laughs> and yet so far, because that man will never yeah. do anything wrong. Nope. He directed Smart House. What could, what, what could he possibly do that's right? His oh, I most famous credit, Smart House. Wait, I've never heard of Smart House. Ooh, Magpie, I feel like you'd enjoy Smart House. It's a okay. classic Disney Channel original movie okay. that predicts a lot. Top of, three Disney Channel original movie. And I think it ages pretty well. It's about yeah. a kid that uh, that wins a like robot house that's controlled by this AI mom. Uh, uh -huh. And... It's about it's an AI cautionary tale before so most Black of that technology existed. It's it's Black Mirror Junior. It's so Hell good, yeah. and they they play a Smash Mouth song. It's it's a classic. Oh yeah, okay. Lavar Burton has never missed in okay. his entire life. <laughs> so, anyways, it, reading it, Railroad. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, and it, and it stars uh, Katie Seagal. So, it does. Who I yeah. totally know who is. I know. <laughs> I knew who LeVar Burton is. He was very important in my childhood as I grew up watching Reading Rainbow and Star Trek as like the two yeah. things. Yeah. Oh, he's the best. Yeah. And I feel like both of those things prepared him for his greatest work, Disney Channel's Smart House. Obviously. Mm -hmm. um, so the railroad shows up, Reading Railroad, uh, not run by LeVar Burton, and they no. deputize a bunch of paid mercenaries. And so... You now have private police instead of public police, which is like even worse than public police, which is impressive because public police are clearly not doing a very good. I have negative opinions about the establishment. Soon, Reading Railroad becomes everyone's landlord and boss. Workers no longer own their own homes. And the railroad brings on Pinkertons as detectives to be part of this. Oh, Classic wow. villain of the pod, the Pinkertons. Yeah, it's like there's certain... I feel like across podcasting in general, you're like, oh, the Pinkertons are going to come up. J. Edgar Hoover's going to come <laughs> up. One of these motherfuckers like just worms their way yeah. into every damn story. Up. Yeah. Actually, most of what we know about the Maguires is a Pinkerton detective. Oh, okay. So <laughs> useful primary resource. I mean, but it's also part of why like a lot of the things that make them look bad. I'm like, I don't know how true it is. It could be mm. true. But never trust a Pinkerton. Yeah. So there's no longer a draft in occupying soldiers, and so workers are less mad overall. Um, and mm -hmm. with the occupation of their area gone, an actual labor movement is able to start up. Um, and so this, the, what stopped the kind of agrarian violence mode of class struggle, the, um, the Maguireism, was the labor union. Um, the fact that there were me methods by which to seek address for your grievances or whatever. And because... McGuireism is a backs against the wall clause out approach, which is only necessary when your backs against the wall. They form the Working Men's Benevolent Association, which is good because it doesn't have a man's name in the title. <laughs> That's yeah. It means that it it at least stands a, a stronger yeah. chance of being equitable. Yeah, it has some problems, um, mm -hmm. but it forms in 1868. It united miner and laborer. English and Irish, Welsh and German. It favored strikes and negotiation rather than midnight murder. The leaders, mostly British, were opposed to the Maguires, or rather Maguireism. The rank and file had a ton of Maguires. Um, the main founder was actually, actually Irish-born himself, but he was a, 
he was Anglo-English, not in that his like parents were from England, but he was a guy named John Siney, and he had worked most of his life in England and spoke English as his first or maybe only language. And there's this enormous okay. cultural gap between the Irish-speaking Irish and the, the more Anglo-Irish types. Um, huh. this, okay. this guy goes on to die on from old miner's friend, Blacklung. Um, oh, okay. But before yeah. he does that, they fight for the eight-hour workday. They're able to unite uh, 30 to th- sorry 30,000 of the 35,000 workers in the region. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. And it's particularly noteworthy because the skilled miners were paid for what they produced, not by the hour. So for them, it was throwing mm-hmm. in their lot with the unskilled laborers. Kind of like how actually the UPS strike that, um, like, the UPS drivers who are full-time get paid all right, but their part-time employees get paid like shit. And so the full-time employees are willing to go on strike for their part-time employees, you know? I see. Okay. Oh, I, I do love, it's like, I know it's a very tired meme, but I just love when leftists get pissed off, pissed off and invent the weekend. It's, yeah, it's so totally. thrilling. Yeah. Um, and they also supported what I think is the best thing that labor unions can do, which is they supported the idea of forming worker cooperatives. And they go around, they start setting up uh, cooperative stores, and they start trying to cooperativize different mines. Um, the railroad won't let them, but they start doing a lot. So they're cool in a lot of ways. They have two major problems. One, they try hard to cozy up to the owners. They're like, we abhor all violence and believe that the owners and the workers have mutually aligned interests. And the owners are like, yeah, I mean, we'll fuck you up. And they use violence all the time and do not, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Nice try. Yeah. Then the other big problem, can you guess what the big problem is of a labor organization in 19th century America? Mm, oh i'm there's so many i no, no okay, i refuse it's racism. I refuse. it's racism. okay yeah <laughs> i was like is it racism or is it infighting or is it both yeah okay. no um yeah i guess you know okay so this labor union brings together men and only men of different white ethnicities uh there weren't any chinese families for them to be directly racist against But like all the reformist non-revolutionary unions in the U.S. at the time, they were explicitly racist against Chinese black and black workers. Okay. Um, It is likely that the Maguires weren't any better, but I don't know. I don't have any like statements from the Maguires one way or the other. Um, Okay. But I'm... And so so they're unionizing in areas where there are few to no um, non-white families essentially yeah um but is is it just because it, it this is happening during the civil war era that that we have insight into what their racial views are i mean it's like i definitely safe to infer but i didn't know like where where that like comes in so a lot of labor unions in the late 19th century in the u.s specifically complained about chinese people taking the jobs um they would go out of their way to do the exact same thing that was happening to white immigrants, as soon Mm -hmm. as they could, they turned around and did it to non-white immigrants. Those fucking girl bosses. Yeah. Um, Okay. And this is like, again, part of why, and there's some other unions that uh, explicitly did work. Also, there's black unions, um, but there's also some unions that were explicitly multiracial um, but it's why, once again, I keep pointing to the industrial workers of the world as the people who came on the scene. And one of their founders was a black anarchist woman named Lucy Parsons. And they just like came on the scene and immediately like they were mostly out west. Well, actually, they were all over the place. But out west, they like specifically worked with um, 
like uh, like worked with Japanese folks who were also being by that period Japanese folks were the 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 immigrant people who were being mistreated right um, okay so, so but th- but that's not that's not this this is this, this is, is thirty five like years a, earlier yeah okay so this is a mo- like majority if not I guess all men. Uh, like white men yeah. who are yep. poor and from a number. Of, okay. Yep. Well, uh, not surprising. I, uh, yeah. But it sucks. Um, it certainly does. Yeah. And yeah. So the union fights for the workers. In September 1869, a fire burns down the timbers that hold open a mine and 110 men are as- asphyxiated. And so the union throws a rally to try and be like, hey, we need some fucking safety here. Some people in the crowd claim that the Irish started the fire as like revenge against the Welsh for wanting to have ended an earlier strike or whatever the fuck, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And this is nonsense. Um, It helped the bosses by getting the workers to blame each other. Um, But even the fucking governor of Pennsylvania was like, this wasn't caused by bad luck or the Irish. This was caused by the fucking operators and a lack of safety. Okay. And so the workers fight, they get the Mine Safety Act passed in 1870, but this has actually some positive effects. Still, American mines are three times more deadly than British mines at the same time. Um, Mm -hmm. In just this coal field, between 1870 and 1875, 556 workers died. This is after the Mine Safety Act passes. And the other thing that sucks about the Mine Safety Act, and it's always the double-edged sword of trying to seek anything with reform, is it it created more discipline in the mines and it actually centralized authority more into reading railroads' hands. I see. Okay. But the WBA, um, the Worker and Men's Benevolent Association, they get pay raises. Um, they get a minimum wage plus sliding scale based on the level of production and the value of coal. Uh, mm-hmm. But all of their nonviolence and ass-kissing the bosses didn't save them. They were painted as violent terrorists every time they did anything. And Mm -hmm. the government and owners started chipping away uh, surely but steadily against all their gains. By 1873, conditions for miners worsen. So some of the Maguires get up to their old tricks because the union isn't working. And they're literally, again, starving. So they start setting fire at mines. They're overturning coal cars. They're beating up mine supervisors. (laughs) So the owners turn to the detectives they have on hire, the Pinkertons. The Pinkertons refer to the Maguires as a, quote, noxious weed of foreign birth. And check out this quote from them. Um. Wherever in the United States iron is wrought from Maine to Georgia, ocean to ocean, wherever coal is used for fuel, there the Molly Maguire leaves his slimy trail and wields with deadly force his two powerful levers. Secrecy, combination. I have no idea what combination means in this sense. (laughs) <laughs> this is this is the and these are the drama queens we can't stand yeah uh this is this is drama queen tendencies being weaponized for evil yeah exactly god losers all right well i guess that is very pinkerton behavior sure. oh yeah so they send an undercover an irish catholic immigrant named james mcparlin mm-hmm. he joins the ancient order of hiberians and since he's literate, he finds his way into becoming their secretary. And 
Basically, all of the Molly Maguires were in the Ancient Order of Hiberians. Later, there's this whole conspiracy case that trying to claim the Ancient Order of Hiberians is the Molly Maguires, but it's almost certain that it's just that all the Molly Maguires are in the Ancient Order of Hiberians, because elsewhere around the country, Ancient Order of Hiberian people ain't doing any of this shit. Okay. And so he becomes their secretary, which, by the way, is how Karl Marx took control of the First International while I'm talking shit. Um, he, he became the secretary and then started writing everything. Okay, so okay. McParlin, uh, he st- stayed undercover for two years. Then he disappeared only to reappear later at trial. The other infiltrator um, from the Pinkertons infiltrated the union, but his reports were like, oh, actually, this isn't Molly Maguire-ish at all. They're all really tame. The union's actually just doing what it says it is. <laughs> okay. But that wouldn't work for the union. Uh, for the railroad, sorry. It wouldn't work for the railroad. They wanted to destroy the Union. So they just lied. Even though they had an infiltrator saying, hey, it's actually all peaceful here. And they were like, they're all terrorists and Irish bastards. Um, Yeehaw. So they destroyed the Union. <sighs> the long strike lasted from January to June 19, uh, 1875. This was during a really nasty recession. The bosses got ready for this. They formed a Union of their own, which happens all the fucking time. All the all the mine operators get together to figure out how to fuck over their workers collectively. Um, uh-huh. And before they told everyone about some wage cuts, they stockpiled enough coal for the long strike. Okay. So during the strike, the bosses stoked anti-Irish sentiment and got the Welsh to attack the Irish. Um, this had been going on for decades, right? The gang warfare uh, eventually. Okay, so you ever seen like one of the, I don't know if gangs in New York has this or not. There's this whole thing in 19th century New York City where you have like firefighter gangs who get into fist fights over who puts out a fire. No, that sounds like a sexy dream my mom would have. Yeah. Um, well, that sexy dream is alive in Schuylkill County. Nice. That's, I'll let her know. Yeah. That's my pitch for a Netflix show. Um, <laughs> really? And there's firefighter warfare happening. They're, the, okay. the Brits have a fire company. I think the Brits and Welsh, they like live on one side of town. And the Irish have a fire company on their own side of town. But when fires in the middle break out, there's fierce fighting. Often this turns into gun battles. And people are probably, I don't know from which side, probably both. People are setting fires in the middle just so that they have an excuse to fight. Wow. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Jesus Uh, Christ. Okay. So during the strike, the industry kept saying the union was all Molly Maguire's. The Molly Mm -hmm. Maguires are a tiny percentage of the union. Um, Irish people are a reasonably high percentage. Mm -hmm. But again, I mean, overall, the union is the like, not Maguire method. Um, Right. But by the end of the strike, as the strike is clearly not working, various folks start dropping out and starting to work, right? And starting to blackleg. Um, Okay. And more and more union workers of every ethnicity gave up on strict nonviolence and Uh, non-sabotage. so loaded coal cars were getting dumped, mines started getting burned, gangs beat up black legs, coffin notices popped up with phrases like, quote, notice is here given to you men, the first and last notice that you will get for no man will go down this slope, like go into the mine. After tonight, if you do, you can bring your coffin along with you by the internal Christ, internal, not a, they mean eternal, whatever, um, but they wrote yeah. internal. bring your coffin along with you by the internal Christ. We mean what this notice says. 
I believe them. Yeah, no, they, they meant it. I believe them. Yeah. Um, in the end, the railroad company won. The union was destroyed. Uh, the mm-hmm. last holdouts were mostly the Irish-speaking Irish from the strongholds of the Molly Maguires, but hundreds of British miners were still with them too. And a thousand workers marched from mine to mine trying to shut down work, but heavily armed police stopped them at one point firing into the crowd. So workers went back to work. Um, Some were so weak from starvation that emergency rations had to be provided by bosses to get them back on their feet, which is just an example of like how capitalism wants to feed you. It literally just wants to feed you enough so that you can go work in the mines. Yeah, enough so that you won't. I mean, yeah, like you were saying before, uh, hawking feels too harsh because you were effectively selling yeah. uh, all those amazing <laughs> products and services. Just, just enough so that you won't die, so you retain yeah. labor value. Yeah. yeah. Um, within two years, wages dropped to less than 50% before 1869 levels. Um, God, okay. Workers had strict discipline now. Like uh, They were treated how factory workers were being treated in the city, which is also not how people should be treated. Private mm-hmm. police broke up all public demonstrations with violence. So the Maguires were like, all right, fuck it. We tried doing it the nice way. If you want violence, we were born into violence by hundreds of years of resisting colonization. Mm-hmm. Over the course of three months, they killed six people. One Molly wrote a letter to the paper and said, quote, I am against shooting as much as you are, but the union is broke up and we have got nothing to defend ourselves with but our, but our revolvers. If we don't use them, then we shall have to work for 50 cents a day. And went on to say that the other nationalities would do so, but for cowardice, and quote, I have told you the mind of the children of Mistress Molly Maguire. All we want is a fair day's wages for a fair day's work. And that's what we can't get now by a long shot. Mm-hmm. He closed by saying they would make it, quote, hot as hell for the, for the employers that they needed to. This is the only right. statement we have from the Maguires. Wow. Okay. It's, I mean, it, it's, I, I, I don't know. I know everyone's mileage varies, but six casualties as opposed to the number of casualties that, you know, you stand to lose by not yep. advocating for yourself. Like, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I feel like those stories are not by you, Magpie, but it's <laughs> just like you hear those stories so often. Even on like podcasts I listen to sometimes, yeah. they're like, well, obviously killing is wrong. And like, yeah, yeah. Sure, maybe. Knows, yeah. Killing, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, but, but even then your, your mileage may vary. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, um, but yeah, like bringing up the, well, they killed six people. It's like, but what do they stand to? To lose. Yeah. Sure. Like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, totally. And like, so that's the uh, 115 Sorry, people just, or whatever, or 110 people just asphyxiated in a mine, you know? And that's nothing to say of, you yeah. know, the losses they suffered from the draft being stacked against them yeah. intentionally and, and just all this other stuff. Like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Six people. All right. <laughs> Sorry. So, Pinkerton's fed information to vigilante gangs. That's the other thing, right? It's like we always talk about the violence that happens in like one side of this, you know? Um, Mm. So Pinkerton's fed information to vigilante gangs who went off on a moral crusade to stop the Maguires. Um, The private police turned the other way or joined as they showed up and anyone like at these houses of people who are suspected being Molly Maguires and killed their families um, and grabbed a bunch of Irishmen. And Mm -hmm. in the end, 
50 people were indicted for the murder of 16 people over 13 years. Uh, so there are 16 deaths being blamed on the Maguires. You, they're mine superintendents and foremen, public officials who are all various types of cops and marshals. They didn't just face the structural violence of poverty and discrimination. They faced private police, Welsh gangs, and federal troops, right? Um, all of the suspected ringleaders were tavern keepers, and this may or may not have been real. We have no idea. Um, and it might have been part of the Protestant anti-drinking crusade because that was this whole thing going on at the time. Mm-hmm. And the trial was a farce. Uh, they were arrested by private cops. The only evidence was a Pinkerton infiltrator who had probably been working as an agent provocateur. Um, later, that guy went on explicitly to be an agent provocateur in other labor struggles. No Irish Catholics are allowed to sit on the jury. The prosecutor was a fucking railroad employee. Um, oh, for fuck's sake. It was, it gets called even by the history books that hate the Maguires. Like most history books are not on the Maguires' side. Um, sure. Even by them, it's called trial by corporation. Yeah. And some of them were probably guilty. Some of them were probably innocent. Several turned snitch and became star witnesses. Uh, but one of them, this one guy, he turned snitch. He was like, I didn't kill that guy. It was, it was these other guys. They totally killed that guy. So his wife disavows him. Ooh. She, hell yeah. She testifies in court that he is the murderer and that he is turning on innocent men. And she refuses Whoa. to support him in prison. <laughs> this is wow. the most real Maguire in the whole fucking story as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, where's her fucking biopic? Yeah. That rocks. Yeah. Uh, he snitched and he got double stitched. Yeah. <laughs> div- um, no, yeah, no job in, in jail. No wife. Yeah. Yeah. Sad for him. He does. He gets set free. Uh, the five men he well, testifies against were not. At least one of the snitches gets a thousand bucks from the prosecution to help him leave the country. So they're literally just being paid um, okay. by the company. Good. And these sound, I mean, they sound like show trials. Yeah. Like, were they were they like heavily covered and, and, and all that? Yeah, the Maguires, I didn't talk about it enough. Um, the Maguires are like big news everywhere um, about this haven of terrorists in Pennsylvania, basically. Okay. Okay. And and it's basically like all labor organizing is given a bad name by being compared to the Maguires, um, mm-hmm. which is very frustrating because I'm just like, well, I don't know, whatever. Like, I'm sure some of what they did was like not the best, but overall, I'm like, Molly Maguires did nothing yeah, wrong. But like, right, you're like, but but consider the context. Yeah. Like, like drop in the bucket. We should aspire to be the kind of people who go claws out when people try to destroy us. Like, right. I just genuinely believe that. Um, well, it's it's like, with I mean, within this story, there's, you know, examples of how the um, how the opposite approach was was tried and was not. Yeah. I mean, I guess that in this case, both were not extremely effective, but it's. Yeah. No. And I, I keep thinking about it because I've, I've been thinking about this. The story really even more than often it, it impacted me and left me thinking about a lot of things because you have these two approaches and neither one is working. And it really depends yeah. on what we call working because like, Ooh, okay. I think that there is something to be said about just living your life in a way where you don't roll over and die. And sometimes mm-hmm. like that's all we can ask for is to be part of communities 
who support us as we choose to not roll over and die. And like again and again, they would try to not go claws out. They would try to join unions. They would try to do things the other way. I believe that man when he said that we we don't like killing any more than anyone else, but all we have now is our revolvers. You know, well, it's and it's and it's like if if they enjoyed killing, they probably would have killed more than six people. Yeah, sixteen, like, but I, yeah, I, yeah, sixteen. I mean, but over the course of like, eleven years, yeah, exactly, exactly. Like this, this yeah. is not the behavior of a movement that relishes in killing. Yeah, um, yeah. So I mean, I I completely believe that, and wow, yeah. The Molly Maguires did nothing wrong. They were doing and yeah. <laughs> except their makeup. They were makeup. doing their fucking best. <laughs> except, oh, I mean, ex- except their opinions on race, yeah. which seemed to be almost uh, universally wrong yeah. from what we know. Yeah, which we don't know much of, but we can infer. Twenty men were hanged, at least one of whom has been proven posthumously, hum- whatever after his death was proven innocent. Okay, and this was meant to be this like glorious re- of restoration of law against mob rule, but it wasn't. Mm-hmm. One judge later said of it, quote, The Molly Maguire trials were a surrender of state sovereignty. A private corporation initiated the investigation through a private detective agency. A private police force arrested the alleged defenders, defendants, and private attorneys for the coal companies prosecuted them. The state provided only the courtroom and the gallows. Um, and so they go down in history as evil terrorists, a violent ethnic mafia, it wasn't until about 50 years ago that historians started really looking into their history as part of labor history. I wouldn't say they were perfect. I wouldn't say midnight retribution is how to get things done. But sure. yeah, better to go down with your but claws I also, out. I mean, agree. Hard agree. And I, I, it's so interesting. Like, I mean, you, you referenced this earlier in the episode of how this 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 history and this like labor history still seems inherently tied into stereotypes around uh irish americans yeah totally um yeah i feel like that's where so much of that comes from like the but i mean some of those stereotypes that come back even to like the way that i've read a lot of history in the past year and a half working on this show probably more than i had in the rest of my life put together um brag again and i think a lot about how like the Irish like myth of like, oh, like there's this sort of English myth of like the Irish is like crazy backwards people or whatever. And then there's the sort of sure. inversion of that myth, the like how the Irish save civilization, um, you know, all of these sorts of things. And the thing that I keep running across is that it's like, well, actually, in a lot of ways, the Irish uh, culture was more interesting and chaotic and uh, pagan and and all of these things. Um and that's part of why it's cool. And I think that's part of right. why people get really excited about it. I think the other reason people get excited about it is like white people really want to cling to some level of oppression so that they can feel like um, entitled that's, to... I mean, that's the other thing. It's know. like the, the resistance to... Because I know, I mean, there's like people in my own <laughs> family that are, you know, like definitely guilty of this, of uh, like there, there's such a... There's such a tendency to cling to like no this it it was this group of people this yeah. specific group of people and not um just like a wider claiming of like no it's it's labor yeah. it's people that are have a vested interest in labor movements and who are being actively oppressed yeah. but no totally no one not not a not spicy enough branding for for some yeah um 
and 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 thus evil persists, and that's the only reason. I I think so. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but if people don't want evil to persist, this isn't an ad transition. This is a, <laughs> I was like, Magpie, you're already flying pretty close to the sun today. Let's get more ads in here. No, um, <laughs> no this is, a, this is a, a move to plugs. Ooh, uh, okay. Wow. Okay. Well, actually, again, this, this I, I mean, obviously, you, you know better than um, anyone that, so much of this hasn't changed, but so many of the, so much of this re- reminds me of um, the uh, of of meatpacking plants that I researched and the history of unionizing and how um, in similar ways, like we were talking about earlier today, how um, some meatpacking unions were uh, interracial and they were very inclusive and very effective, and then there were others that uh, weren't that way and. Uh, also, in in not quite this. I mean, about thirty years after the the Maguires, I guess, were mm-hmm. uh, active. But um, yeah, there's just like so many parallels in what we were talking about today in like current meatpacking unions. Uh, if you want to learn more about that, you should read my book, Raw Dog: A Naked History of Hot Dogs, and you can get it wherever you get books, which is hopefully an independent bookstore uh, or, you know, whatever not fucked up way you acquire (laughs) books. You could steal it, uh, whatever you want to do. I just, if if you want to read it, uh, I would love that. Uh, And you can, you know, uh, bug me online. I'm around. Except for TikTok. Too loud. Yeah. (laughs) I can't wait to leave all of those things. But I haven't yet. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, what I want to plug I work with a publisher called Strangers in a Tangled Wilderness and we're an anarchist collective publisher and we're putting out a new book that's available for pre-order right now it's called To the Ghosts Who Are Still Living it's by Ami Weintraub and it's um, it's not actually entirely dissimilar to what we're talking about It's com- well it's completely dissimilar in a lot of other ways it's about um, learning about one's like Jewish ancestry in Eastern Europe and kind of is a an, anti-Zionist, trans-anarchist talking about what it means to be dispossessed from family history and what it means to reconnect to it. And it's a really good book. Um, We only put out books that we're really excited about, and this is our third book that we're putting out. It's called To the Ghosts We're Still Living by Ami Weintraub, and it's um, available at tangledwilderness.org. Eventually it'll be available anywhere books are for sale, but right now it's pre-order. And if you pre-order it, you get an 11 by 17 colored poster that's silk-screened. that's super cool. That's what I got. Nice. At Cool Zone Media. Okay, bye. Bye. Cool People Who Did Cool Stuff is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Pride from Tomboy X, celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women, creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection, obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through six X. Visit tomboyx.com. 
Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Hey, girlfriends. It's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.